0: there was a bunch of toothpaste the pump style toothpaste that stand up and I saw them and they were out of place and I saw them and I went over and grabbed it or touched it and the second I touched it it detonated the bomb that was built inside I don't know that I ever really at that age really comprehended what happened or that it was done to me I just it it was me Hi, we are Colleen and
1: Colleen, and we have made it our mission to spread kindness and make everyone feel like they belong. So each week we will share real life stories, motivating insights, and helpful tips that will inspire you to live a kinder, happier life. We believe that together we can make the world a much better place. Are you in? I'm in. Let's do this. Welcome to the You Fit Here podcast. Hello, everybody. This is CS. Welcome to You Fit Here. I'm really excited for you all to meet our guest today, Erin Patterson, because she's one of my dear friends, and I am very lucky and blessed to have her in my life, and I cannot wait for all of you to have her as a part of yours, even just by her sharing her story. I know that she will touch your heart and your life, and Erin, thank you so much for being here with me today. I am excited to have you here, and if it's okay with you, I'm just going to share briefly and then let you sort of tell the whole story so when you were five years old on April 17th 1989 you were in an accident an unthinkable accident leaving you without your left arm and your left eye and that was almost 31 years ago this April and that's crazy um, four years ago, CB and I launched our Everybody is Different, Different is Normal campaign. And if you guys haven't watched it, we will obviously link it up for you on our blog and on the website so that you can, because Erin was a part of it and we were really happy to have her there. Um, she It was just a really cool way that she could share her story and help us all celebrate how everybody is different and that different is normal. And so that uh, brings us to... To here today but she didn't really get a chance to actually tell her story and it is such a cool story and I've had the awesome pleasure of hearing her tell young kids about it at um, my kids schools everybody count program and then I've obviously heard it in various ways and from various people but hearing it from Aaron is truly a unique experience and so it, it hopefully will leave you feeling just very blessed to have what you have and just not take anything for granted. So Erin, if you wouldn't mind taking us back to that day, almost 31 years ago, and tell us what
0: happened. Sure. Um, Like Colleen said, it was April 17th, 1989. I was five years old. We had recently moved. My parents bought a new house and we went to Kmart that evening to pick up some things for the house. And I was with my mom and my dad and my younger sister, Megan, who was two at the time. Um, and I was with my mom and my sister. My dad was in another part of the store, from what I remember, or what people have told me. We were walking down an aisle. My, I was in front of my mom, walking, and my, and she was with my with my sister in the shopping cart. And there was a low shelf, and there was a bunch of you know toothpaste, the pump style toothpaste that stand up. And I saw them, and they were out of place. And I saw him, and I went over and grabbed it or touched it. And the second I touched it, it detonated the bomb that was built inside. After the bomb exploded, I don't remember much other than screaming that my stomach was on fire. Um, I couldn't see because there was so much shrapnel and it hit my face. That's all I remember. Um, I know my mom said that there were people, you know, running and rushing in the store to to the screams, and there was an off-duty fireman there and a doctor who came and, and started work on me, and once they stabilized me, the paramedics arrived, and I was lifeline to Methodist Hospital. Wow.
1: Do you, I know you say you don't remember a whole lot immediately, uh, but- Do you remember the days, the weeks, the months leading, or I'm sorry, right after, and what was the recovery process like for you?
0: I was five at the time, so it's hard to recall if I remember it or if I remember what people have told me, so it's kind of hard to discern that, but I remember being at Methodist, um, and I remember lots of visitors. I don't remember a lot of the surgeries up and in, up into that point. I remember lots of kids and I remember getting thousands and thousands and thousands of cards and books and gifts from people that were had heard the story and were thinking about me. I specifically remember remember one little boy that I gave it like a life-size elephant to that was delivered to my room and I would go around and walk around and and go visit the kids and them the stuffed animals that i was getting because i didn't need it all um but i don't remember tons of the specifics around methodist i do remember leaving the hospital and going to texas and that's where i got my first arm um and fitted for my first arm and i do remember that and meeting the therapist that i worked with down there and being fitted for the prosthetic and i went down there with my mom so
1: That's a bit of a road probably to get from where you were at the hospital in Indy to Texas. Do you remember, or again, if it's, you know, a lot of, I think all of our memories, most of our memories are from stories or pictures or things like that, but do you remember your reaction or how you felt when you went from just being this little blondie five-year-old without a care in the world to, oh, now I don't have my left eye or my left arm?
0: yeah I was really insecure I didn't want to go out in public Uh, I used to love McDonald's (laughs) and I used to love going inside McDonald's and playing at McDonald's and my mom tells me that I would request to go through the drive-thru because I didn't want anybody to see me anymore Uh, I remember having to wear a patch over my eye I remember having um, my arm wrapped up, and I I do I think I do remember the day that my mom and dad unbandaged my arm for the first time, and that was horrific, horrific, because I as a kid like gets wrapped up, it's hidden, so I kind of didn't think about it, and then when I saw it, I I lost it, and I I thought it was gonna grow back. I thought there would be like a little hand. <laughs> well, sure, like you know, like hair or nails grow back. I thought oh. I just lost a body part. It'll just grow back and be behind.
1: Well, looking at you right now, I i mean, it breaks my heart that you ever had those feelings. Obviously, I am so happy to know the person that you've become. And I hope that some of that pain is more just, you know, a numb memory. But obviously, it, it was not an easy adjustment. You, you had amazing parents and a lot of support and love but did you ever feel sorry for yourself or were you upset about what happened or mad at the
0: person who did that i don't remember ever being mad at the person who did it i don't know that i ever really at that age really comprehended what happened or that it was done to me i just it it was me and it was it was my life and i just kept moving forward because that's what my parents taught me to do is to move forward and not feel sorry for myself i'm sure there were moments i'm sure there were moments where i was mad or angry i could tell you when i saw my arm i was not happy and i used to have to cover my eye up my good eye my right eye up and to try to get vision back in my left eye and i was angry about that because i couldn't see a thing and my parents would make me walk around the house like that to try and help k- get my left eye stronger and it didn't work. Wow. But um I just kept kept going and do I you really remember think about that? Do you remember things
1: that your parents said to you about I, I'm just I'm as a mom sitting across from another mom, I, I just I mean, we, we want our kids to not feel sorry about themselves when they lose a game of trouble. You know, I mean, I just, you're just such a remarkable person. And so I, it's just, I, I would, I got to have your mom on this podcast. <laughs> I
0: mean, really, because she, I, she probably has a lot more insight to what she told me and how they thought about how to handle these situations with me. Um, whereas to me, it just came off as this is you know, this is my life. These are my parents. This is what, you know, they're telling me to do. I They took me to countless appointments and doctor's offices, and they, you know, they really did their best at trying to integrate me back into school after the accident. Um, I do remember my mom. I did not want to go back to school. I was scared, and my mom took me back and sat with the whole class and brought one of my arms in to pass around so they could feel it so they could ask all the questions they wanted to ask and then that way they wouldn't continue to ask and that way all the questions were out there they knew what happened and I would be able to to start start school fresh
1: what was that actually like for you going to school
0: it actually wasn't that bad um I really had no issues going back to school once that was once I was, you know, my parents took me back, I, you know, my friends were all there. They didn't treat me any differently, or I don't remember them treating me any differently. They asked questions, but they were polite, and they were nice, and they included me. So I was happy to go back, and I really felt, you know, welcome.
1: I'm obviously very glad to hear that. I I remember, I've told you this before, but I went to a different school than you, but the parachute story when I was in gym class and our gym teacher said, we're going to do the parachute for a little girl who goes to a different Catholic school who was in this horrible accident. And can you imagine losing your left eye and your left arm? So everybody put your left arm behind your back and we all did it with one arm. And I just remember I went home and I asked my mom a million questions and little did I know that I would know you in the way that I do. So I think about that, not that, I guess I think about it whenever we have conversations like this, which isn't very often, (laughs) but that, you know, it stands out to me. So if that was my school, I can imagine all the people and the outpouring of love and support and what a great experience for your classmates to be able to ask you those questions and hopefully prepare them for other people that they are going to meet in their lifetime
0: that they have questions about. Yeah, they really, you know, they were all, I remember... I remember them asking me questions and I had a myoelectric arm that would open and close. And I remember they would always ask me to open and close it because they thought it was cool. Um, Didn't didn't something bad happen? (laughs) I would open and close it. I would pinch people with it (laughs) per their request. And I remember getting it stuck on a a desk leg. Um, I think that was second grade and it had a battery and the battery at that time they didn't last very long and it died on the desk as it was clamped to the desk Mm leg and instead of you know asking a friend to go up to the front and get the new battery and pop it in I drug the whole (laughs) desk up to the front of the classroom
1: (laughs) so it sounds like you were pretty good at embracing embracing everything how did you do that
0: well it was either embrace it and have a good time and make friends and participate in activities or you know sit in the corner and feel bad about yourself and and not move forward and I chose to make friends and try out things and if I failed I would try it again or find something else to do
1: were there any activities or things that you felt like oh I used to be able to do that and now I can't
0: no um at five you like don't recall like what you know and what you don't know like you're just learning everything at five so I do thank God that I was five years old when this all happened because it would have probably been a million times worse if I were older Mm -hmm. at five you don't think about a lot you have self-confidence nobody tells you any different I just learned how to write with my left hand I switched over I don't even remember switching over my mom was like it literally took a week and you, are, you could figure it out. As an older child or an adult, I can't even imagine having to relearn all of that. So honestly, that was like the biggest blessing is that I was five. And I really, I don't remember myself before five, really. So this is just who I am and what I've known. That's cool. That's so cool.
1: And I agree. Kids are so resilient. But really, like hearing that, that's amazing. Did you ever feel like people stared at you outside of like your comfortable zone at school and with the people you knew?
0: Oh yeah. I still have people stare at me or, you know, point and I you know, I can see them do it. Um, But I mean, I really don't take offense to that. It's just, they don't know how to react to something different. And they're probably asking, you know, if it's a child, they're asking their mom what happened or they're asking their parent what happened. Very rarely do I see adults staring or, or looking at me and sometimes you know when I'm out in public they'll ask me hey what happened mm-hmm. why do you have a, a prosthetic arm or what happened to your eye and and I'll tell them I appreciate their honesty and them asking and being curious and usually that's that's it I
1: feel like the people who made your arm and eye I don't know if they get a lot of credit they should get a lot of credit <laughs> bad butt people yeah yeah and you so kindly let the kids at at our school pass an arm around and i know that they loved that and just kind of experiencing what that felt like and nobody can put themselves in your shoes but like it's just a, a science this is that's a that's amazing
0: yeah so i had my i actually had my real left eye up until i think it was like 7th grade because they were trying to get vision back in it, and it looked bad. It was, like, very grayed over, and the eyelid was droopy. I was self-conscious about that. Then in about seventh grade, Dr. Nunry said, you know, I don't think we're going to be able to recover this. We've done enough surgeries. I think it's time to remove it. And that, I, I decided, yeah, I'm ready. And so then I got a prosthetic left eye, and that made me so happy.
1: Oh, I'm so, I, I don't, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. It I was think r- I thought it was a a happened surgery. all at once. No,
0: no. For many years they tried to get vision back in my left eye and it looked bad, but they were trying to make it functional. Um, okay. And then once I, we decided that it was time to, to stop, that was a really, really good decision.
1: So you had a it lot of time to think about it and know that this is good. Yes. And
0: we had done everything we could. We had done everything we could, and it just, it was not functional anymore, and that was a rough surgery, but after that, I haven't had any other surgeries.
1: No. No. But do you get a new eye?
0: Yeah. So, like, every five years, I have to get a new one made, and I go to an ocularist, Kathy, and she is an artist, and she sits there, and she paints it.
1: Like, to look exactly. Yeah. Like... Yeah, Obviously, we'll post pictures of our beautiful model, Erin, so you guys can see. But it is is amazing. It is. Um, Okay, so what would you say to moms and dads out there if their child encounters someone with a difference? What advice could you get to them to teach their kids about how to handle that?
0: I would advise them to ask questions and to talk about it and to be open about it. And, you know, I don't mind if people approach me and ask me as, you know, if the parent wants to bring the child up and say, hey, my, you know, my child was wondering what happened to your arm. I'd be happy to share. I think it's definitely better to encourage asking and understanding versus whispering and talking about it. Making
1: assumptions. Yeah. There's that quote about curiosity. I love that because I think sometimes we discourage curiosity because it leads to assumptions but you can never really find out the answers about things and it doesn't make a difference to me whether you were born without your arm or an accident like it just that's who you are but I think it helps people to know what happened yeah do you think so
0: yeah absolutely I think it's always I think it's always good to know um and I I really have no problem sharing my story or sharing how I feel about how I feel about things.
1: Would you tell us a little bit about the man who put the bomb in Kmart? And then if you could say something to him, what would it be?
0: So I don't really know a whole lot about the man who, or the, the boy who put the bomb in the toothpaste at Kmart, other than I, I, I don't know his name. Um, I know that he was 17, I think. And he was a teenager for sure. Wow. And obviously was was troubled messing around with with pipe bombs in his garage. And I think he didn't know what harm he was going to cause because he committed suicide, I think, a couple days after he found out what happened. Wow. Um, So clearly to me that that means that he truly thought he made a horrible mistake um, and didn't know how to deal with it. But I don't know. I don't know his name. I really don't know anything about him other than that i think it was honestly a mistake and he was messing around and he was troubled and i just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time
1: yeah you don't dwell on it and you definitely did not allow this to change who you were meant to be so how did you keep faith in yourself and just keep
0: going i really don't i really didn't give myself a choice it was i mean this is me i'm I was five. I was just moving on. I was making friends. I was learning just like everybody else around so me. Smart. So smart. She's so smart.
1: <laughs> All the smart classes, <laughs> And I wouldn't know because I was in them with her. I would know because I knew. Um, but that is a really cool outlook. I would like to hope that I would have had the same outlook. And I'm a positive person. But you honestly don't know how you would handle a situation like that unless you go through it. So I, I mean, I, I guess I would like to know, what would you say to someone who's going through something not the same, but difficult, a difficult time or thing?
0: Sure. Keep your head up. Don't give up. Reach out to others for help. Reach out to others for support, encouragement.
1: So a f- friend of ours who is also named Colleen who some of the listeners have heard us mention her but she she's actually here sitting right next to me and across from Aaron as well and she went to grade school with Aaron and has been really good friends with Aaron for a really long time and she loves the phrase where there's a will there's a way to describe Aaron and so I'm like no where there's an Aaron there's a way and I thought that was really clever but that phrase does describe you perfectly Because you are capable of anything. Anything a person with two hands can do, you can do it. And if you can't, you just ask for help, which is not easy for people to do. When you were growing up, you painted your nails, right? I did. On your prosthetic hand as well. I did. And how did you do that?
0: Well, I uh, used my mouth and I used to paint my right hand with my mouth and heck yeah I used to paint my left hand with my right hand so and I almost think I did better on my right hand (laughs) that's awesome uh
1: you had to maybe not even relearn a lot of things like tying your shoes because modifications modifications but for a lot of those things like putting your hair up in a ponytail and doing sports and things like that like you that this was just who you were at the right time in your life and any stories you'd like to share like about volleyball.
0: <laughs> well, um, I played CYO volleyball. I was not very good, um, but it was really fun. And my mom was my mom was the coach or the assistant coach, one or the other. And we were playing at St. Pius, and I was serving, and I was underhand serving. I don't remember if this was like sixth or seventh grade, probably, and. As I was serving the ball, the arm flew off over the net with the ball. My whole team started dying laughing. The other team was shocked. (laughs) I cannot imagine. Let the ball and the arm hit the ground. Oh,
1: my gosh. Uh, But you did it just the same.
0: Oh, we were cracking up. I think one of my teammates Mm -hmm. ran over and grabbed the arm. And I shoved it back on, and the game kept rolling. So let's talk a little bit
1: about how you uh, you do anything and everything that anybody else can do, obviously. You're a mom of three. You're a physical therapist. You manage over 65 people. I think that's really cool that you do now what you relied so heavily upon at a time where you started this whole journey. I think that's just really inspiring and cool in and of itself. Um, you just... You prove day in and day out without trying to prove anything that you know anybody can do anything that they put their mind to. and I think that's I think you sell yourself a little short and <laughs> you you're, and to me, it's not something that I think about often but when I think about well who do I want to talk to about how to help other people overcome crappy things in their lives like you are one of the first people that comes to my mind because you went through something that I don't know anybody else in the world has yeah. really.
0: It's, it's interesting because when people ask me about that, I'm like, I don't really think about myself going through something. And honestly, it's because I was five and my parents helped me so much and they really didn't let me dwell on it. So it was just, it was just me and my life and my family's life. And that was who we were. I love your
1: parents. Yeah. they're They're just good people. Amazing. Amazing people. Oh, okay. Talk to us a little bit about what it was like growing up and overcoming things that everybody else with two fine arms take for granted.
0: Well, it took me a little bit longer to learn things, I think. Um, I'd have to try and try and try and practice and practice and practice. And I think, honestly, that's kind of helped me in the in the long run just to persevere and to know like if you keep working hard and if you keep trying you'll probably eventually get there so I think you know as a matter of I can do things it might take me just a little bit longer to figure it out but you, I'll figure it out
1: you yeah for instance Aaron and I go spinning most mornings together and when we do weights you do one weight and then you have an arm weight or a weight, yeah a, a sweat
0: a sweat is that what it's called? A wrist weight.
1: A wrist weight. Yeah. I love that. Or an
0: ankle weight that I put on my wrist. Well, right.
1: <laughs> but you just literally make the best of all situations that you're in. That's just who you are.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I just, I've learned how to modify. And, you know, I I think that helped me in my job, too, as a pediatric physical therapist. Like, you're, I mean, I modified for my patients all the time. You know, how can how can we figure out how? A way for them to do, be able to do it. Um, there's got to be a way with their physical disability.
1: Right. I imagine that there are people listening who either themselves have gone through something and had the choice of, okay, I'm going to just keep going and have this attitude or the other. Is there anything that you would say to people who feel like they don't have that hope of, of just how you live your life?
0: Yeah, I, I would say have faith. Um, I think my faith has has helped me quite a bit through the through those difficult moments and just praying to god for you know a better next day and really reaching out to my family and to my friends for help when i needed when i needed the help and the strength and the support to get through difficult times do
1: you ever get frustrated today
0: oh yeah absolutely really Um, oh yeah i get frustrated all the time about things oh whatever I, I wish I could curl my hair like you know like figure out how to you know you know I probably could I just haven't given it the time to figure it out but I will <laughs> but your hair looks amazing that's <laughs> that was thing. just a silly that was just a silly example
1: okay I love that you are a physical therapist you are helping people the way that you were helped and I would just like you to just tell us a little bit about was that a calling for you and then how does that make you feel
0: yeah um so I, I think I obviously spent a lot of time at the doctor's office or various medical offices and always was interested in healthcare. I've always been curious about it and I think honestly it, it came from all of that experience in the hospitals or um at the at my doctor's offices and I love kids and I've always loved being around kids. So, you know, once I started exploring careers, I, you know went and observed various Physicians, um, pediatricians, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and ultimately decided that physical therapy was where I wanted to land in my career. And I was lucky enough to get a clinical rotation at Peyton Manning Children's Hospital as when I was a physical therapy student at IU, and I absolutely loved it. I loved all the kids. I loved talking to the parents and being involved in their medical care and making a difference in their lives. And I lucked out and got a job there, which was like my dream job. And I've been there for 10 years now. And I couldn't think of a better job or a better place to work. And being surrounded by all the wonderful therapists and the children is just amazing.
1: It would give me a lot of confidence in you knowing that you are living proof that if you keep at something whether you you know your child breaks their arm or whatever you you can persevere and push through and you can you can do anything i just feel like that would make me feel so happy in my choice to be with you as my you know child or myself as a physical therapist you feel like you have a connection
0: yeah and I always I always wanted to, you know, make that clear to, to parents that they could always ask me any questions they wanted to. I was very open and honest about what what happened to me if they asked, and I wanted them to know that they can ask me any questions and I would be happy to to, you know, help guide them through their journey and to help their child understand what they're going through. They they will get better and they will get stronger and be able to do things that they want to be able to do.
1: You can't always predict if it's going to be a short road or a long road to recovery, but just it's you know it's a road that you can travel and you can do it.
0: It's a journey. Yep, yeah. it's a journey, and you know they have they have the the clinical support as well as the mental the mental support from me um, and the other clinicians they were working with. And now that I work with all these kids with all these disabilities or the all the trauma that they've they've gone through it's like wow I hardly went through anything well seriously it put a lot into perspective
1: wow well you're that's just I, that you can say that is just I that's that's amazing and I think that's so valuable for everybody you're just if you're they're with you they're in good hands I mean really um Okay, so obviously, you know, CB and I are really passionate about making everybody feel like no matter who you are or what you go through or what you come in contact with or how you were born with this or you're in an accident or whatever, um, you're who you're meant to be and you might be different, but that's, that's normal and difference awesome. And so my last question for you is what would you say to someone who is having a hard time to not allow the difference that might be obvious or not obvious to overcome you and hold you back from the person that you were really meant to be?
0: I would say just be true to yourself. Um, be true to yourself. Keep trying. Don't give up. Keep trying and keep trying. It might not happen right away, but if you really want to do it, just keep trying and ask ask for help when you need to but always but don't give up don't give up don't look back keep going
1: because what happened to you does not define you no because where there's an Aaron there's a way (laughs) or whatever your name is out there where there's a you there's a way right absolutely um very quickly would you please share the amazing story about April of last year
0: yeah so I've been going to Encycle, which is a, a spinning studio in Carmel, whoop and whoop. with Colleen. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Jerisimalos also goes there. And I knew his son, Frank Jerisimalos, when he, I was in PT school. Frank was in medical school, and we used to, to study and hang out together. And I recognized Dr. Harrisimalis in one of the spinning classes, and I introduced myself, and he told me he works at Midwest Eye Institute, and um, I said, "Oh my gosh!" I and my mom was with me, and we both said, "Oh my gosh!" That's where you know I went for countless surgeries, and they took care of us. Dr. um, Nunri and Dr. Minturn, they were the eye surgeons that took care of me for so many years, and he, those are his partners that he worked with. So he took that information and did not tell me and planned a whole surprise party at his house with all of the doctors and my family and friends and celebrated the 30-year anniversary of my accident which was incredible like just fate that we so happened to be in the same spinning class we're just chatting and then out of the kindness of his heart Planned this whole party to celebrate. It was it was amazing. The fireman um, John Moriarty was there.
1: Who was there that day of your accident?
0: Yeah, he was the fireman that was called to the accident. And then Dr. Profeta, he couldn't make it, but he Facetimed us at the party, and and so we talked to him, and it was it was this amazing,
1: man, that you hardly knew went to all this trouble to oh, celebrate yeah. an accident that really even though it changed your your life in some ways for the harder, made you who you are.
0: Yeah. They're like the sweetest people I know.
1: (sighs) I'm telling you go out there and find a spin studio near you (laughs) (laughs) or whatever floats your boat. (laughs) Okay. Aaron, thank you so much. And all of you make sure that you go to the, you fit here podcast, hit subscribe, leave us a review, share this episode on social media to inspire other, other people who are going through tough times or just so that they can remember like, you know, what happened to Aaron? That's not a thing that happens very ever. And life is precious and we shouldn't take it for granted. And we should be kind to each other because we just don't know what's going on or what's going to happen. So, okay, that's all until next time.